This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to The Real Real, where we go behind the highlight reel and go into the unfiltered. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and let's get into it. Everybody. Welcome back to my podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Barbu, and today's video slash podcast is going to be an Ask Nat, a little segment that I like to do probably once a quarter, um, sometimes more, sometimes less. But whenever I feel like I've gotten either new listeners, new followers, I always like to do a little refresher or I'll try to do it quarterly because I feel like so much changes in a quarter and it's always nice to just kind of update you guys. And also, I love answering advice. Like, I think if I were to do another podcast, it would be like an advice one because I am so nosy. So I want to hear what's going on in people's lives. And so I want you to write in and tell me. And then I want to give you advice. So if that's like a segment or an episode we could do quarterly on this podcast, I could give you like the real advice, you know, hence real, real. I feel like that could be a lot of fun. So let me know if that's something you would want and if you would actually write in and get my advice from career to relationships to family to personal stuff, like would love to share it. If you're watching me on YouTube, welcome. You clearly know that this is not the same background that I'm always in. I am actually in a hotel and I am in Newport Beach, California. Newport Beach is one of my favorite cities slash places in the world. I know that might be dramatic, but it is so beautiful here. And I've come here a couple of times, but only for the day. I've never actually spent like extended amounts of time here. And so I'm just really excited because it is so gorgeous. We're spending the entire weekend here. And when I say we, you guys, it's Valentine's Day weekend. We're just kidding. Um, (laughs) Not a single person believed that. Um, No, I'm here with my friend Tasha. But I am here with Tasha. She's celebrating her birthday with a few friends. And I happened to be in L.A. around this time. So I was like, sure, let's let me just extend my trip a little bit. And I came a couple of days before and then I came to Newport with her. And we're going to celebrate her birthday here. So we're spending the weekend here, which is a lot of fun. And I just love Orange County. I think it's so picturesque. Like, If you grew up here, let me know what it was like. But obviously, there's the show The O.C., which I think made everyone fall in love with Orange County. But also, it's one of those places where I feel like you're in such a bubble, which is definitely not the best thing to like for everyone. But it's so beautiful and like postcard like here. If you guys have not been, highly recommend. And I'm just excited because it's a little calmer than L.A. and it feels like similar to LA, but slightly different. And so I'm just excited that I'm here for the weekend. And I'm super grateful that I'm getting to spend a few days here. This is one of my favorite places. But anyways, I'm going to be vlogging the trip. So I'm going to Newport, obviously, then I'm going to LA for a few days. And then I'm also going to be in San Francisco. And I'm doing a road trip from San Francisco to LA as well. And I'm going to be vlogging the entire thing. So I haven't started yet, but I will. And I'm going to start today. So follow along on YouTube if you guys want to see that. And a little bit of a life update. So obviously, you guys know I'm here. I'm traveling. I flew Alaska Airlines. And whenever I tell people that, when I told my family, when I told some of my friends, 
um, they're like, why did you fly Alaska? And I feel like people have it in their head that it's like this budget airline, like Spirit or Frontier, which, by the way, no shame if you fly those airlines. But I'll tell you the, their reaction of why did I fly that? It's because they lost my suitcase. So I was like complaining that this airline lost my suitcase. And that's when everyone was like, well, that's what you get for flying Alaska. And I'm like, wait, what? Like Alaska Airlines is not a budget airlines. It's like a very normal. I feel like it's on the same page as like American and United. Like I even looked it up because I tried to prove a point. And I was like, mom, it was ranked the safest airline in 2021, which is now very ironic because I know that a door flew off a few days ago or a few weeks ago. Um, so I don't think it's the safest anymore. But all that being said, I was like, it's not a budget airlines. Anyways, um, they lost my suitcase. I was so upset. So I was running late to the airport as I do. And this time I swear it was not my fault. And I know some of you guys are going to roll your eyes. But what happened was my flight was at 650. I live pretty close to the airport. I probably live, okay, not pretty close. I live like 30 minutes away from the airport. But obviously a 650 flight means I had to get there at 550. Um, and I, it was five o'clock traffic. So I was like, I'm going to leave with plenty of time because I know it's going to take longer than 30 minutes. So I called my Uber at five, giving me 50 minutes to get to the airport. And the cutoff to check your bags is 40 minutes beforehand. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to leave with that amount of time. And like, even if I get there a little after 550, I'm fine. I can still check my bag in. So my Uber driver makes a weird turn. I don't know if Maps told him to go this way or if he just missed the turn, but he's going a different route. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, okay, whatever. Like, I don't really think anything of it because it's not like that different of a route. Like there are two ways to go. One of them is just faster. So I was very confused why the route took it that way. And so he's going down this route and we get to this one light intersection. When I tell you we were at this intersection for 25 minutes, like it was like it would turn green and barely anyone would go because it was so backed up. And then it, it just like would turn red again. So I was at this one intersection right by my apartment for 25 minutes. And so I was like, I'm not making this flight. The second we passed that intersection, which I told him, I'm like, listen, dude, can you get in this other lane? It seems to be going faster and like go around these people. So we did that. So we got out of it semi quicker, uh, still was there for 25 minutes. And then after that, it wasn't like horrible traffic, but this guy was not going fast at all. And I'm not asking you to break the law, but he was going below the speed limit. And so I told him, I'm like, excuse me, like, I am going to miss my flight. Is there any way we can get there a little quicker? You know, like, wink, wink. Um, and he was like, well, do you know a faster way? I was like, no, I think we're going the fastest way. But like, we're catching every single red light. He's like slowing down. We'll be in like the middle of the intersection and it turns yellow and he just stops. Like this guy was not in any rush at all. And so I was like, okay, can we please like hurry up? And so I get to the airport after I, what I assume is the cutoff time because it says that Alaska Airlines has a cutoff time of 40 minutes before my flight. So I get there at 611 and it's a 650 flight. So I'm like right at the minute mark, but they still let me check my bag. So I'm like, Oh, hallelujah. The airport was empty. There was no one in security. There was no one at any terminal. There was no one at the bag check. So they let me check my bag, scan, you know, got the, the tag on it. She put it on the conveyor belt. 
And I go on my way to my flight. I make my flight. It's super easy. They're not even boarding by the time I get there. So like, I'm not like in a rush or anything anymore. Land in LA, all the bags get unloaded. My bag is not there. So I go to baggage person and I'm like, hey, my bag didn't show up. So he looks at my bag tag number and he's like, did you give it to someone or did you just leave it at the airport? Which I'm like kind of insulted by this question because I'm like, yeah, I just left it in the middle of the airport. Like, obviously I gave it to someone. But anyways, maybe he thinks I have never flown before. And so I'm like, I gave it to the person at the ticket counter. She scanned it. She like got my boarding pass. She got my ID. She put it on the conveyor belt. Like, yes, I gave it to someone. Uh, I even had like the priority tag on it. I was like, I did give it to someone. So he's like, weird. Like it says here that it's at the ticket counter. And I'm like, how would they know it's at the ticket counter? He's like, it never got scanned. I'm like, what? And so the next day they call me and I can't sleep at all that night for some reason because I'm like, I just think my bag is lost and I have so much stuff in this bag that like, I really do not want to lose. Like I have my Dyson. I have some of my favorite sneakers. I have every single like cute workout set that I own. I have two pairs of cowboy boots. I have all my makeup. I have all my skincare. Like I'm like, like I would just really hate to replace it even if they did reimburse me for all of this. So I'm like having a lot of anxiety trying to sleep at night, which I didn't know I was that emotionally attached to my stuff. But anyways, I was doing that. And then they called me and they're like, yeah, we can't find your bag. It's never like it was never scanned. So we like don't know where it is. But like, hey, if it has a tag on it, it might come, you know, on the flight to L.A. tonight. So I'm freaking out. I'm like, OK, I've, I feel like you guys lost it. So they give me a six hundred and fifty dollar credit to buy essentials for the day, which I thought was very nice. So I went out and I went shopping. I did got a whole set of makeup. I got a workout set. I got a jacket. I got a sweater like I just went shopping, um, which was great. And then this morning, my bag was delivered. So there was good news at the end of it. So they did have happen to find it and deliver my bag. So I take back what I said that I said, good morning to everyone except Alaska Airlines. Thank you, Alaska. You brought my bag safely. And now I have new makeup and new clothes. So win-win situation for me. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn can be in your hands today as it should with Earnin. Earnin is an app that is changing the game when it comes to getting paid. Imagine having access to the money you've earned as you work, not just waiting for payday. With Earnin, you can access up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Just download the Earnin app and verify your paycheck. Then access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So think about it. The next time you're planning a special night out, you need a last minute gift for a loved one, or you face an unexpected expense, like maybe a trip to the vet. Earnin has you covered. For me, it's about having the flexibility to handle those surprise expenses that life throws my way. So whether it's unexpected bills or needing to cover rent when things are tight, Earnin gives me peace of mind knowing that I have access to my hard-earned cash when I need it most. Make Earnin a part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability, security. It gives me a lot of peace of mind. Download Earnin today, spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, in the Google Play or Apple App Store. When you download the Earnin app, type Real Real under podcast when you sign up. It really helps the show, so please don't forget that step. Real Real under podcast. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank. Subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC.
Let's talk about styling hair because it is a whole production, especially when you are battling frizz. And take it from me, I live in Miami, Florida. It is about to be summer. I really know frizz, but honestly, I would rather be doing something else like booking a spontaneous vacation to St. Bart's or rewatching the Heiress Tour for like the third time. You know, the important stuff. But who actually has time for frizz? Introducing Way's new anti-frizz cream. It is like a superhero for your hair. It provides immediate frizz control that lasts up to 72 hours. I actually brought it on a trip with me and my friend borrowed it and she purchased it right then and there because it was that good. So how does this fit into my hair routine? It is the best thing I could have done for my hair. I am all about saving time and the anti-frizz cream does just that. Plus the Sydney inspired North Bondi scent is so amazing. You can thank bergamot, Italian lemon violet and more. And as someone who is always concerned about heat damage because I definitely use a lot of heat on my hair, this anti-frizz cream provides heat protection, which is such a big relief. And my hair feels so much lighter and looks smoother after using it. Get busy being frizz-free with Way's new anti-frizz cream. It's not just about taming frizz. It also provides heat protection up to 450 degrees, reduces inner pair split ends, quenches dry hair with intense hydration. And according to a consumer perception study, 90% of participants agreed that their hair looked less frizzy after using it. I can definitely contest that. And while you're at it, check out Way's other bestsellers like the leave-in conditioner, which I also use, detox shampoo, fragrances, hair oils, and hair gloss. They're all essential for achieving that salon-worthy look at home. So you can frizz-free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter promo code RealReal for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code RealReal. That was my travel story. And that's going to kick off the questions because one of the questions that I asked on Instagram or one of the questions that I got on Instagram was, why are you always late to the airport? Okay. At this point, it's my brand. So I do it on purpose. I'm just kidding. I don't do it on purpose. I am not always late to the airport. I just don't post when I'm not running late. I'm not like, hey guys, made it to my gate in time. <laughs> um, and I do travel a lot, but I think when you travel a lot, you're more likely to be like running late to the airport because you know how far you can push the limits because you've done it a lot of times. Like I have one of my friends who's a consultant, so he travels every single week for work, or at least he did. He was like, yeah, I would show up literally 30 minutes before my flight left like not boarded left. And he was like, I would just like roll up and like, let me in. Like he was like, I always do that. And I'm like, yeah, see it. We have a system at this point. So for me, I hate like waiting around at the airport. I don't know why. And I also just think that I can do like so much stuff beforehand. Like I was watering my plants. I was eating dinner. I was, you know, like I'm doing so much stuff before the airport. And so I just like run late naturally. Like I always underestimate all of the little things things like I underestimate the time it takes to like go downstairs and um, and load the car and then like get off the car you know all of those things take a lot of time it's kind of like when I'm driving to dinner to meet a friend I'll underestimate those things like going downstairs getting in my car and then I underestimate like oh I need probably 10 minutes to find parking you know and so I'm just late which I know some people think you're not like taking into account someone else's time it's not that it's like mentally I I like physically like can't bring myself to leave on time. And I don't know what it is. I think it's just in my brain time. There's there's something going on there. So I am not like late to meetings and stuff like that, like on like virtually or anything like that. But just when it involves like transportation, I do tend to run a little bit late. And I think that's OK. I also have clear and pre-check. 
Um, and I've never missed a flight. I think some people think that I like miss flights all the time. I've never in my life missed a flight because of like something that I did. The only flight I've ever missed was because I was at my gate. They were boarding. Like I was there, but my mom wasn't there and I didn't want to leave my mom. So I just purposely missed the flight. But like it wasn't because I didn't get there on time. Like I was there watching them board. And the woman was like, do you want to get on or not? And I was like, no, I'm just going to wait here with my mom. So that's why I say I've never missed a flight. Anyways, that's why I'm always late to the airport. I hope there's some people in the comments that are going to understand. There's some people that are going to be like, I don't get you. I'm three hours on time. Also, I will say my dad, I feel like there's this narrative of like the airport dad. He's there three hours early. He's got all the boarding passes. I did not grow up with an airport dad. My version of an airport dad was, and this is not a podcast about airports. So I'm so sorry. I've spent like 30 minutes talking about this. But my version of that is my dad, when he would go to the airport, because he also traveled for work a lot, he would travel like multiple times a month. He would go to the gate and this might've been like pre 9-11. So maybe airport security was a little bit more relaxed, but he still does a lot of these tendencies today. Goes to the gate, checks in, because yeah, I guess this was before mobile check-in, would check in so he wouldn't like miss, you know, the check-in time, take his bag, go get the car, park the car, run to the airport. Like he was always really late to the airport. And like my dad was always like an hour before your flight. You have plenty of time, 30 minutes. You're good. Like he just was always running late to the airport. So like that's where I get it from. Anyways, this is not about the airport, but I thought that these were fun stories to tell. Okay, now I'm going to go into the more real questions and I'm going to try to get these done like I have kind of a lot of questions that I want to touch on so I will try to answer these as efficiently as possible so this question is how do you find balance between your personal life content creation and Rella I have gotten this question a lot about balance and about how to find balance because I am someone that I have a very like high stress job and also a job that requires pretty much all of my time in both aspects, whether it's content creation or Rella. Content creation, you're never turned off because you are always recording. You're always getting content. I mean, even for example, I'm here in Newport Beach, which I'm so grateful for. And I'm working with the hotel. Like I have to post, um, I have to get 12 stories. I have to get two, one reel and one in feed post. And then I also have to send the brand, I think like 12 high res photos that they can use for their own social media and like web and all of that. So like, yes, obviously, I'm so grateful to be here. It's not a difficult job. But I'm just saying that you're never off when it comes to content creation. And I'm not complaining about that by any means. When it comes to Rella, you're also never off. I will get a customer complaint at midnight and you know, I'm going to answer it or a friend will text me about the app at any time and I'm going to answer it or I'm always thinking about it or if I have to like, there's always a running a never ending to do list. And I think a lot of jobs have that where you just have a never ending to do list. You're like, there's always something I could do. Like there's so many things that I could be working on and it could do. So like it is up to you to say, I've done enough today. I'm done. And so I actually had Amanda Getz on the podcast last week, which if you didn't listen to that episode, it's one of my favorites. She is such an amazing person. And she's also just so smart and motivated and has had so much success in her life. So definitely listen to it. But she told me about this one productivity method that she uses that's called a to-do list, where it's you do two things in a day. And that might sound crazy saying that you're only going to do two things in one day. But the thought process of it is that 
you're going to get two big things done, like two projects. It might take you a few hours to do these two things. And I guarantee if you look at your life and you look at your work, there's probably these big things that you've been putting off. You're like, okay, I got to get that done. But what we like to do as humans is we get the little easy things done out of the way because it gives us satisfaction saying, oh my God, look at this to-do list. I checked off 10 things this today, but it was like very simple, basic things, but yet they took out up all of your day. What her method is, is you get the two big projects done. First thing, that is your only objective for the day. So get those two projects done. And then, you know, you can scatter in those little things afterwards. You can take the day off. Like she stopped working at three. And I mean, she also wakes up earlier, but still like she's done at three. She's a, um, a mom of three. She is a single mom. I know now she does have like a boyfriend that lives with her. So I, I know that she has, you know, help, but She's been a single mom for so long. And so she's able to do that. I don't even have those responsibilities, but I still want to be able to kind of have some of my life back. So for me, I started adopting that method where I just need to get these two big things out of the way. And it has taken me so much practice. I'm still not really good at it because human nature, like I want to fill out the little things. I want to get the little things done and I can't or I do, but I shouldn't because then the big thing doesn't get accomplished. And so so I haven't perfected the two-a-day method. It's something that I have been working on because it is really hard. I mean, human nature says that we want to finish the small tasks earlier. And so that's what we're going to try to do. But what's really difficult about it is that I like get so easily distracted and I just like it's so it's been really hard for me to get those two things done a day. But I have been getting slowly but surely better. And I can tell it's made me so much more productive. There are so many things that I have been pushing off that I will get done. And then you can end the workday early. You can feel more productive. Another thing is I have I am someone that I like instead of saying work-life balance, I like to say work-life harmony because Balance to me is saying you're trying to compartmentalize everything. Like you're saying that work, you know, work gets one bucket, your life gets one bucket, your love life gets another bucket, your kids get another bucket. Whereas I prefer to work in work-life harmony where my work and my life kind of integrates with me. I mean, I'm here in Newport. I am recording this podcast, which is a part of work. I am. I, I took an investor call this morning. I also took a team call this morning. I had some Rella stuff I needed to get done. I woke up early to do it. And I sat in the lobby of the hotel and enjoyed the view. And I enjoyed being in a different setting, even though I'm working. I feel like you have to kind of make yourself enjoy what you're doing in order to have that balance. Unless, of course, you have a job where you can compartmentalize. You log off at five and you go home and that's it. And like that is work-life balance. But when you have a job that doesn't require or doesn't not require, it doesn't allow you to have balance, then instead you should try to focus on work-life harmony, which is what I just mentioned, where your work and your life work together and kind of blend together in a positive way. I would so much rather have a job where I can do what I love on the road and wherever I'm going and be able to work in harmony with it than have a job where I, you know, have to like I have to compartmentalize and then I can never enjoy, you know, my life because work is making me miserable. And I say this knowing that the job that I have is the biggest privilege. I know that not everyone has the ability to have work-life harmony. But I do think that everyone has the ability to either strive to get there, whether it's switching jobs, whether it's, you know, switching careers um, or at least like trying to 
you know, make the most of what you're doing. And I say this with such like a grain of salt because I don't like blanket statements. Some people's situations aren't going to fit this box, but I'm kind of just telling you what I personally do. So I don't want it to come across that I don't acknowledge that I have such an amazing job and I am so lucky to be able to do this. But I hope to also inspire you that you are also able to. Um, it just might not come immediately. It's something that you have to work towards. Does that make sense? I feel like I just like went so many roundabout ways, but I hope that makes sense. And I just wanted to kind of share what I personally do. So yeah, let's let's strive for work-life harmony, not work-life balance, because I think it's also a little bit of a mindset shift. And I think it's going to make you happier in the end. Sure, you never know who knows whom, but networking efficiently. Love the way that you worded this question. And this question, to me, I love answering because I've talked about networking before, but this is different than networking. This is not just like, how do I network with people? This is about how do you find the right people to network with? Because there's a difference between networking. Anyone can do it. You just go and you talk to people and you find out what they do and you figure out their careers and all of that stuff and you get their numbers and you stay in contact. Like that's networking. Anyone can do it. But how do you network with the people that are actually going to, I don't want to say give you something, but, you know, like be a connection that is <laughs> going to help you, you know, like how do you network with the right people? And networking is a two-way street. You have to help them as well. So the way that I like to do this is by not going to networking events. And I know that sounds crazy because networking events is where you network. I think it depends on the person and the personality. My personality is not made for networking events. I actually hate them so much. I know this might come as a shock because I am a content creator. I put myself on the internet, but I am a big introvert. If you know me, I don't like to be the center of attention. I don't like to be the loudest person in the room. I'm usually the one that's kind of like sitting there, not talking to anyone, but kind of just like observing everything. I really am not like I, I don't like talking to people that I don't know. Like, I hate it. Like, I hate it. I think that's why dating is hard for me because I'm totally fine not talking to people. <laughs> like, I'm fine being alone. And so that's why networking events are really, really hard for me. So that's why I decided this year I went to New York Tech Week and I was like, you know what? I'm never doing that again because it's not really worth it for me. And what I found is better is by using my strengths, which is my, you know, online presence, I guess you should say. Like, I think I'm good at finding creative ways to reach people digitally and using that to put together who I want to talk to. So what I do is I actually have a list of everyone that I've talked to, like had a call with, not just like interacted with, but everyone that I've had a call with, everyone that I've, you know, met that could have any connection in the future. I, I put it all in like a notion board to keep track of who they are and like what we talked about. And I will go on LinkedIn and I will spend hours on LinkedIn finding the right people. So it doesn't matter what you do, whether you're a founder, an investor, uh, um, you work in sales, whether you're a real estate agent, you work in the media industry, it does not matter. If you want to network and meet someone, there are so many ways that you can do it. And I personally, instead of going to events where you think that they might be, I like to do it online because I feel like everyone has a digital footprint now and you can find out anything about anyone and it puts my stalking skills to the test. So I go on LinkedIn, I go on Instagram, I find them and I find the path of least resistance. So if they, I think that they'll answer me on LinkedIn because they don't have that many connections, but yet they're active. They've been posting on LinkedIn. I'll do the LinkedIn route. If I see that they don't have that many followers on Instagram, 
I will literally request to follow someone, even if they're private, if I want to meet them, I'll request to follow them and I will DM them. I've DM'd people on Twitter before as well. I've responded to their tweets. I have found someone either on LinkedIn or Instagram that I am mutual friends with that I know well enough where I can ask them for an intro to that person. There are so many ways that you can find the people that you want to talk to. And it doesn't matter how high up they are. Like, I truly think you can finesse your way to talk to anyone. Like, you can finesse your way to talk to freaking like Bill Gates. I actually, I mean, even this story alone, like there was a podcast on the Skinny Confidential. Do not remember the name of the person, but he literally did that. He was like a in his 20s and he was finding ways to talk to Bill Gates and for Bill Gates to like help like be a part of his book. And eventually he was able to do it. And like literally it's it's just getting creative and not giving up. I think so many people give up on the first email that gets rejected. Like they didn't answer my DM. Find another way. Like find someone that knows them. Find, you know, and that is how you get the connections. And I think unfortunately today it's so much easier to get where you want to be in terms of career if you have connections and the fortunate thing about that is it's easier than ever to make those connections and you don't have to have connections that you're born with like i always say this but like i personally i did grow up in you know a privileged background but i did not have connections to the industry that i am in content creation wise or investor founder world my parents don't know a thing about that like i still think today they don't know anything about that they don't have any friends that know anything about that like literally nothing so like i had to find the contacts and find ways to reach out to these people that I've been wanting to talk to, whether it's just to network and pick someone's brain or it's to invest or it's to partner with or whatever it is. Same with like influencer marketing stuff. If you want to work with a brand, there are so many ways that you can find the person. Like go on LinkedIn, find the brand, find the person that's in charge of influencer marketing, find the agency that they work with. Like there's so many different ways. Even if it's it's someone that like knows the person that you're trying to work with, like you just have to be persistent. And I think that is how you network and you find the right people. Okay. Next question is lessons on breakup while launching a business. I got cheated on and I'm launching my business soon. First of all, congrats on starting your business. I think that is such an accomplishment. And the first step is honestly so, so scary. And the fact that you were willing to start tells me so much about you. And I am so proud of you. So Congrats. Secondly, I am so sorry you got cheated on because being cheated on is just such a like it's the worst feeling because you feel betrayed, you feel insecure, you feel you're gonna like you you feel like can you trust someone again? Like I my very first relationship, I dealt with that and I was so young that now I am like a hundred and twenty percent healed from that. But I remember at the time it was literally the worst feeling in the world. And I would never wish it on anyone. And so I just am so sorry because I know that there's so many thoughts running through your head right now. I do think you're actually in a very good position, though, because I think you can put your entire focus and energy on your business. That is the best distraction. I remember when I got cheated on, and this was, again, a very long time ago. I was very young. In order to distract myself, I focused 100% on YouTube and I grew so much that year when I was focusing on it. It was the best distraction. It was the best motivator. It was the best to get my mind off of it because if I was sad about him, I could just be focusing and filming a video. It truly was like the best thing for me and for my YouTube channel. 
And I know it's going to be the best thing for your business because you are going to pour your entire heart into that business, all of your energy into that business. And it's going to do so well. And before you know it, you're not even going to be thinking about your ex-boyfriend who sucks. So I think it's actually the best time. So use this as a motivator. Use this as like, okay, I yes, that happened, but I'm going to pour myself into this so that it can distract me. Because also when you first break up with someone, whether you were cheated on or not, distraction is the best thing you can do. I'm not saying to not feel your feelings because I do think that you should cry, you should let it out, you should talk about it, but you should you need to get out of the house. You need to you need to put your mind somewhere else. I distracted myself to no end during this last breakup and it literally helped and healed me so, so much. I let myself cry, I let myself feel things. And I distracted myself with one, pouring myself into Rella and two, deepening my friendships with the girls in my life. So distract yourself. I think obviously I don't wish getting cheated on for to anyone. I think it's horrible, but honestly, it's the best. It's it's the best time that it could have happened because now you can focus a hundred percent on your business rather than if you know you didn't have anything to focus on and then all you were thinking about was that. This next question is kind of in the same realm of relationships, but it is, do you ever feel scared if you are too reliant on someone? This is such an interesting question because I think I am a very, very, very independent person. I've talked about that before. And I think all my friends and family would describe me as an independent person. And I think the past year and a half of having to be fully 100% alone made me realize that I really am an independent person. And so to me, I've never had the feeling of oh my gosh, I am too reliant on someone. But I think it's because I do have this fear of being reliant on someone. I don't want to rely on anyone and it might be an unhealthy fear. I think it's there's obviously a healthiness to it. I I don't think anyone should be fully reliant on anyone unless you are a literal child. Then of course you are fully reliant on your parents. But I don't think that like if you are married, I don't think you should be fully reliant on your husband. If you are, you know, in college, I don't think you should be fully reliant on your parents. Like I think that you need to develop a sense of independence and maturity. And that means like being able to rely on yourself and do things for yourself. So for me, I think I've never had any like trauma with this that makes me have a fear of being reliant. But I always just think like, I don't want to have to be with someone. And let's talk in a romantic sense, because I feel like that's for the most part what this is talking about. I don't want to have to be with someone because I'm relying on them. I want the only reason that I am with the person that I'm going to end up with is because I am so in love, because they are the best partner for me, because we complement each other, because we make each other better, because they they make me the better version of myself, because I grow with this person, we can mature together. That is why I want to be with someone. I never want the reason that I'm with someone to be because I rely on them, because I can't do it financially, because I can't, I don't know how to be apart from them. I don't know how to be single. Like, I never want any of those reasons to be the reason why I'm with someone. And so that is why for the forever, I've never been someone that has been attracted to money, for example. Like, I. Obviously, I don't want to be with someone that is lazy or like not ambitious or anything like that, but I don't think that correlates with money. So for me, I would much rather you not have that much money, but 
be like incredibly motivated, wanting to start your own business. You're hustling right now and eventually we'll get there and we'll be, you know, you'll become successful rather than someone who, let's say you're an investment banker and you're making $300,000 a year, but you literally hate your job and you're miserable the whole time. Like that is not attractive to me. So I, I think for me, that's why I've never been someone that's been attracted to wealth. That's like, obviously, if you have money, great, but like, that's not what I'm looking for. And I've never been attracted to someone that's like, you just sit back and look pretty and I'm going to take care of you. Like, I, of course, there's a sense where I want to be taken care of and that like when I'm home and if I'm sick and, you know, like treat me and spoil me and all of this stuff. But like, I don't want to be, I don't want that to be a quality that I'm like, oh, I love them because I'm taken care of. Like, I think I can take care of myself. And it's not like, I, there's so many nuances to this because it's not black and white. And I think today we make things black and white. You either want to be taken care of or you want to be the one in control and blah, blah, blah. Like, I actually, I don't want to be the one that like wears the pants in a relationship. Like, that might come out a shock, but I don't. I want someone that is going to be able to like lead me and take control and all of that stuff. But I don't want to be reliant on them in the sense that if they went away, I wouldn't know what to do. Does that make sense? So I think it's just important. And it's important to find your independence. And that's why I think it's so important for people to experience singleness um, and just being independent before you get into a relationship or if you haven't. Because I know not everyone's going to experience singleness as an adult. And I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. If you found your person early, then like, great. But I think if you do that, then you need to experience independence within the relationship. So you cannot be reliant on them. Um, cause I also think like, God forbid something happens and I don't know what to do. Like I, I, there are people that I know personally where they get an allowance from their husband and they don't question it and they never look at their finances. That is my biggest nightmare. And to each their own, if that is you, more power to you. I'm talking about me personally. That's my biggest nightmare because one, I will never be someone that doesn't know what our finances look like or anything like that. But two, I like I, I want to be in a, a partnership. I don't want to be in this like you're like my parent giving me an allowance. But also, if that person goes away ever for any reason, are you going to know what to do? Are you going to be okay? And that's just always been my mentality. But I would love to know your thoughts in the comments. I feel like I'm answering kind of polarizing questions. I don't know. I feel a little like scared like answering <laughs> these questions and giving my opinion. Help getting out of my nine to five. This is going to be the last question that I answered today. So help getting out of my nine to five. I quit my job five years ago, you guys. Isn't that crazy that it's been five years since I quit my job? It'll be five years in April. Or I guess technically I quit in May. But still, it'll be five years. And I just can't believe I'm old enough to say that it's been five years. It's six years since I graduated college, which is insane. But yeah, f- uh, I quit my job five years ago. I was making money on the side. But I think the question, like through YouTube, I think the question to ask if you're trying to get out of your nine to five is why? Like, do you just hate your current job? Like, can you go and find another job, switch careers? Or is it because you're doing something already? Like you have a side hustle and you really want to do that full time? Because there's different reasons. Like if you just hate your job, you can find find another one. You know, I, I think like one of my biggest pet peeves is just like when people complain, 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 but then they don't do anything about it just in life and friendships and relationships. Like that's like my biggest pet peeve about people. So like if you hate your job, instead of just saying like, I hate it, I hate it, I hate it, just 
spend the next six months trying to find another one, you know, like boost your resume network. Like I was telling you about how to like find connections to the right people. Do try to do a project on your own or like a little side hustle that's going to kind of correlate to the career, the career shift or the job that you want to do. Like, I think there's so many creative ways to do it. And then if you want to start a side hustle or you want to go in on your side hustle, I recommend creating a plan of how you're going to make X amount of money to live off of. And the next six months, I'm sorry, your social life is non-existent. You're pouring everything into the side hustle so that when six months ends, you can take this full time. Um, But it's really important, I think, to have a financial plan and a goal of how are you going to live if you do quit your nine to five. So instead of just saying, if you're unhappy, quit your job, like money matters. You need to live. You need to pay your bills. And so I think you need to figure out a financial plan and find out how how you're going to be able to do that Um, and set goals and start setting metrics and dedicate. Give yourself a timeline like I'm giving myself six months and I'm going to get it done. So that's what I would do. And that's what I I personally did. I I gave myself a timeline of like when I wanted to quit. And I actually, it was shorter. I was able to quit before my timeline, which was great. But I gave myself a financial goal. I said, I need to have this much money in my savings account. And I need to be making this much money every single month consistently. Like it can't just be one off month that I made a lot of money. Like it has to be consistent so I can prove that I can sustain myself. And once I did that, I put in my notice and I quit my job. It was the best decision ever. So you can do it. I believe in you. Anyways, that is going to wrap up today's podcast episode. I hope you guys did enjoy this podcast. I know it was the intro definitely was a little random, but I hope that you guys obviously take my answers with a grain of salt. Realize that this is coming from my personal experience and my opinion, but I would love to know yours as well. And it's okay if we have different opinions. I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. There's just differences. Um, And yeah, I, I really love doing these. And if you want me to do like an advice column every quarter let me know we could even have it where you like voice memo in i've been listening to nick vile's podcast the vile files and the ask nick it's like literally my favorite podcast it's so interesting and i love the fact that he like calls them and like talks back and forth with them so if you want me to do something like that just let me know but anyways thank you guys so much for listening i'm going to get some work done so i can enjoy the beautiful weather in newport beach and i'll see you guys next time bye guys Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Real Real. I hope that you enjoyed and don't forget to rate, review, follow, or subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can follow me personally on Instagram at Natalie Barbu and the podcast at The Real Real Podcast. I'll see you next Monday. Hey, my name is Lovan Rumpf, and I've been working my ass off as a celebrity stylist by day and a podcast host by night. At the Low Life Podcast, it's all about keeping it real. We're talking fashion, beauty, to religion, sex, drugs, mental health. I mean, there's no topic off limits here, and vulnerability is mandatory. You can find my podcast, The Low Life, that's L-O, no W, everywhere and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. New episodes are out every Thursday. We'll see you then.